I know all of you in the room, but I don't know who's on the camera. So uh, my name is Jake, and I help lead one of the missional communities here at Missio de Mesa. Uh, we've been, my family and I have been a part of Missio for about four years now. Went by quick. Uh, but I want to start tonight with a story. And um, the party lights? Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> We're here to party. We're partying tonight. <laughs> um, I didn't even notice because these are like real bright. Um, all right, I want to share a story that's actually not that exciting, but I do want to share it with you because it helps illustrate something bigger. So a few years ago, um, I actually got a muscle knot underneath my right shoulder blade. And I noticed that um, the more I worked on the computer, which I do a lot of, the worse it gets. And the more I exercise, which I don't like to do, the better it gets, but it never goes away. I don't like exercise. So it's still there. Um, and I tried a lot of different things to work that muscle knot out. Uh, massage, heat pads, uh, which is a chiropractor. One chiropractor gave me this like giant rubber band thing that it was supposed to like pull my shoulders back. And he's like, yeah, I just wear this like 23 hours a day and it wasn't happening. Um, so I lost hope that this knot in my shoulder blade would ever go away. I just was like, I'll just, I'm just living with this thing. Um, so then a couple months ago, I was at the gym and I heard these two guys talking and they're like, oh, did you go see James? The other guy's like, yeah, he got that knot out from underneath my shoulder blade. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And uh, so they're like, yeah, we got this guy. He's a sports therapist. His name's James. And he can get anything out of any muscle. And I'm like, I need that number. So I called the guy up, got into the first appointment I could. Uh, and when I got there, I told him what was going on, why I was there. And so he, uh, he's kind of like looking over my body. I'm like laying on this massage table and he starts like pulling on my limbs. And I'm like, I got the knot up here. And he's like pulling on my leg. I'm like, what are you doing, man? He's like, no, no, just trust me. Uh, so he starts working on stuff and he's like making me move in weird ways. Uh, I'm sitting on the table. At one point I turn around and he's got a foot up on the wall and he's pushing his thumbs into like right. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he goes, that knot in your shoulder blade is a symptom of other muscle tensions throughout your body. And so all that's happening is you have all these other tensions and it's manifesting in one spot. So I have to work on everything else in order for that to get relieved. Um, and so I walked out of there the first day, Coral remembers, I was like Raven, I was like, I was like, I'm walking different now. Like that guy worked out tensions I didn't even know I had and I didn't even know I wanted resolved, but I left him like, I'm like a different human. It was great. Um, so I had, a, I had a very small hope for this guy and, I, and he surpassed all, my, all of my hopes. Um, so tonight I wanna share a story in Matthew 21 we'll get there in just a second, um, where people had hope and their hope was in the right person, but their hope was just a little bit misguided. It was not a full hope. And my main point I want us to remember tonight is that a full view of Jesus leads to a full hope. Uh, will you guys pray with me? 
Father God, um, we ask your spirit to just open our hearts tonight. Uh, will you help us see and be blessed by your word and by the actions of Jesus? Um, and may we be faithful to the role that you have designed us for. Uh, in your son's name we pray. Amen. So if you guys want to open Bibles to um, Matthew 21, and as you do that, I'm going to remind us of where we're at in the true story here, because that is really important. The context of this story is crucial. Um, so we are at, uh, we are right before the cross. So the people, the Israelites, Abram's family that was promised that the Messiah would come through, um, they're all waiting for their Messiah. Um, and he was promised hundreds of years before this moment. Um, but as the uh, Israelites had waited for their Messiah, they had continuously fallen into unfaithfulness, where they rebelled against the law that God had provided for them. And that rebellion always led to consequences. And at this point in time, they're actually um, occupied. Uh, they had been conquered by the Romans. And so the Romans were ruling over the Israelites. And the Romans were harsh and violent and extremely pagan, um, they actually would refer to Caesar as the son of man, which those of us who've been following Jesus, and we know that that's actually the title that we often give to Jesus. Um, they saw Caesar as divine. And so um, as the Israelites lived and functioned under this Roman rule, it, uh, Rome to them was the very embodiment of evil. It was the definition of evil. If the Israelites had a dictionary back then and you looked up evil, Caesar's face would be next to it. So as the Israelites lived, they eagerly awaited liberation. And then in walks Jesus. Well, actually he rode a donkey, he wasn't walking. Um, but if you guys wanna read Matthew 21, one with me. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth, Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet and that quote is, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle, riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So the first thing I want to point out is um, that Jesus came exactly as he was foretold to come by the prophets. Uh, if you guys saw that quote in verse 5, that's a quote from the book of Zechariah, Zechariah 9.9. 9. 
Um, and it says that uh, Jesus actually sent his disciples into town to commit grand theft donkey to fulfill this prophecy that was very old. Uh, and the, the full passage of Zechariah 9 is actually discussing the, the eternal king's reign over creation. Um, and it's one of humbling the proud, but also a, a reign of peace. Um, and it opens with <laughs> that king entering on a donkey. Uh, there's an important word here in verse 5 as well. It's gentle. It's easy to miss that, but gentle is is uh, pretty profound. Um, Jesus rolling in on a donkey would have been about as threatening as him riding a Vespa scooter. Like nobody would have been intimidated by that. Um, that was the contrast to what would be expected of, of, of a conquering king would ride in a war horse. The image of a donkey um, also would have been a reference to the Davidic covenant. Now the Davidic covenant was a promise between God and King David hundreds of years before this time uh, where God said, uh, David, in your line, in your ancestors, I'm sorry, your um, children's children's children, your grandchildren, there's going to be somebody who's going to rise up and be the final king of Jerusalem, final king of Israel, who's going to reign forever. Jesus uh, was actually in that direct line. But the other thing is um, Solomon, who was David's actual first, one of his sons, he uh, rode to take his throne from his dad on a donkey. So this image of Jesus riding in on a donkey, the Israelites knew their Bibles. They would have said, oh, this is the guy. And sure enough, they respond with that, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna... Um, it's kind of a funny word in our modern English, but what it was is it was, a, it was a, like them shouting, save, save. So it could be, or save us. Um, and at face value, this story of Israel welcoming and praising Jesus as a Messiah King seems really awesome. That, you know, like when I read it, I'm like, man, like that's the welcome that he deserved, right? Um, they honored him with tree branches and throwing their cloaks on the ground like an impromptu red carpet. But there's this strange tension because we know that shortly after this event, Jesus is tried in the middle of the night in a sham trial and then executed on the Roman torture device, the cross. So it's like, how, how do we go from one to the other? Um, so I was like, are, were, the, were the Israelites disingenuous in their praises of him? Or did they just do this for everybody when they rolled into town? Um, and the answer is no, because the, the, the terms that they were throwing out, the labels they were putting on Jesus were very serious, and they had tons of weight to them, and they, the Israelites had a reverence for God, and they wouldn't have just thrown this out for anybody. Um, I, were they wrong to sing Hosanna? Well, no, because Jesus actually was the Messiah. He was there to save them. Um, but here's the tension. It, it's that the saving wasn't what they thought, and it wasn't when they thought. Um, the Israelites had hoped that Jesus was there to deliver them from evil. And remember, their definition of evil was Rome. So Jesus is coming in saying, peace, peace. And they're coming in saying, yes, liberation, revolution has arrived. 
To say it a different way, um, their hope was wrong in the scope of what Jesus was there to do and in the schedule of what Jesus was there to do. But I, wanna, I want us to participate with the Israelites for our, a little activity here. So let's break out into little groups. I want you guys to answer this question. If you could, if you could tell Jesus that he was going to do it to fix one thing right now, could be anything. It could be your sore big toe, or it could be world hunger. You get to choose. If you could have Jesus fix anything right now, what would it be? So divide into groups, answer that question. Uh, we'll come back, and then we're going to share in a couple minutes. All right, did, did you guys come up with something? All right, so I want to be really clear. It is right when we see brokenness in the world to take that to Jesus, right? So I want to do a fun little activity. Got my boy Mo here. Yep. Yep. So what I want to do is you guys raise your hand. Mo will run over to you. And you yep. say the thing you would have Jesus fix right now if it were up to you. And then when you say the thing, everybody else say Hosanna, right? Let's give it to Jesus together, right? So here, we'll practice. I'll go first. I'm just going to throw out an example I don't think anybody else said, and this isn't how I really feel. But if I were to say, I want Jesus to fix West, or to, to eradicate West Nile virus. Hosanna. Hosanna. Nice. Hosanna. Doesn't have to be perfect, guys, but all right. So who wants to say something that they want Jesus to fix? Brooks is ready. Uh, COVID-19. Hosanna. Um, hurting other people, so violence in our world. Hosanna. I would want him to heal my dad of trigeminal neuralgia. Hosanna. Um, um, fix, like, at school, there's, um, hurting with words and with violence, so with hands and stuff. Hosanna. Anybody else? Uh, we would want Jesus to heal sickness. Hosanna. Anybody? Mine was selfishness. Hosanna. Mental health issues. Hosanna. Loneliness. Hosanna. Thank you, Mo. Everyone give Mo a round of applause. I don't know how to turn this off, so is it cool if I just leave it here? Guys, it's a good thing to bring those things to Jesus, right? Uh, but we have to hope in the full scope, right? Seeing that full Jesus. Um, and it may not be on our timeline. We're going to get to that more in a second. I want to tell you guys a funny story now because that was some heavy stuff. Let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, I drive a Toyota Tundra pickup truck. That's an important detail of the story. So... A uh, couple weeks ago, went out of town to go to a wedding, and a friend of 
ours, he's a friend of many of you, uh, who does graphic, graphic design, uh, he does vinyl wraps and stuff. He uh, came over to my house while my truck was parked in the driveway and we were gone, and he applied a prank sticker onto my truck. It says, it says can you feel my Thundra? Because it's a Toyota Tundra. How awful is that? Well, he actually did a really good job. Like, it, it was centered on the window. It was level. Like, and the, I mean, it's kind of cool if you don't read the words, right? So I wanted, to, I wanted to scrape it off right away. But I'm like, he did such a good job. I'll leave it on there. So I left it on there for like a week. And I just was like, I wish he would have given me a brown paper bag to wear over my head while I drove. Um, the first day I had it on there, I was going down Mesa Drive. And I stopped at a stoplight, and I, just, I was like trying to watch everybody to see if anybody would react to it. And it's like it's a sticker on a truck. Most people don't care. But this guy behind me pulls up in like a Prius, and I could see him like kind of squinting. And then he's like, ah, oh. he just starts shaking his head like, you doofus. Like, who puts that on their truck? Um, but one of the things I texted to my friend was like, dude, when I look out my back window, like, that's all I can see. Like, so this is my rear view mirror, right? It like takes up the whole thing. And it, it obstructed my view, because it was the closest thing to me. So I could still see, but it was obstructed. And that is kind of like what was happening with the Israelites, right? Except it wasn't a goofy sticker, but instead it was their current circumstances were the closest thing to them. And it obstructed their view because they knew the truth and they could see their Messiah, but it was obstructed, right? My hope is that we can pull off the funny stickers from our windows. But seeing the fullness of Jesus gives us the fullness of hope. Um, the Israelites here were actually witnessing their, the final days before the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, but they were still waiting for the first appearance of the Messiah. Uh, but as followers of Jesus today, we're living on the other side of those events. Jesus already died. He was already resurrected. He went to sit at the right hand of the Father, and now the Spirit of God dwells in us, right? Um, so what are we looking forward to now? They were looking forward to liberation. They were looking forward to their Messiah coming. We're actually today looking forward to our Messiah coming as well. Um, I want to read you guys a pretty epic verse out of the book of Revelation. This is in Revelation 21. You guys can just, just listen to this. This is awesome. So this is um, John, one of the disciples, actually wrote this um, towards the end of his life. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's some good news, right? As we've all just voiced all these things, 
that's all coming to an end. It has an end date. That is our, that's the bigger hope. So um, just as the Israelites were right to hope for the Messiah to liberate them, it is right for us to look to Jesus as the great fixer of the pain and suffering that we see around us. Um, but the schedule may not be the one that we want. The schedule might not be, it might be a lot slower than what we would prefer. But Jesus is working things out according to his plan for creation. The scope, uh, the schedule and scope, so the scope of it is going to be much greater than oftentimes we remember or, the, or that we feel in the moment. Because Jesus is going to fix all of creation. Um, but hope is active. Our hope in Jesus is active, and we actually have a role to play in that. Um, and so I had this, this phrase ringing in my head for like a week now. It is, as we hope, we live. Um, as we hope, there's not a denial of our current circumstances. This isn't like a write-off of like, Things are bad now, but someday Jesus is going to fix it. So we're off the hook and we're just going to shut down how we feel in the moment. Uh, there's actually an embrace of our circumstances um, because God has instructed us to be instruments of bringing in his kingdom, bringing glimpses of the new creation. Um, if you guys remember James, the sports therapist I talked about in the beginning, um, I have to keep going back to him. And that requires my time it requires a portion of my paycheck, and it's really painful when he digs his fingers in there. But I have a role to play in that. Um, our actions flow from where we find our hope, and here's how this might play out uh, in your week. Reading the news, ooh. Um, if that fills you with anxiety and fear and anger and hopelessness, that's what it fills me with when I read the news, to be honest. Um, but if I could remember that Jesus is working, and that often doesn't make headlines, his work, um, the chaotic, fractured, hurtful things going on around the world have an end date. It's, it's on the calendar. I can't see that calendar, but it's on there. Hoping in Jesus will drive prayer and align our hearts with his story in that moment. Or here's how it might play out in your neighborhood. Um, if you have a full hope in Jesus for your neighbors, um, I, this morning I went on a, I have an electric, little like, electric scooter, and I went around my neighborhood, and I was just thinking through like the brokenness that I'm able to just see from a scooter from the street. And I remembered like last week I went past a house, I heard people yelling at each other inside, right? Um, or you can see... Um, evidence, you know, broken down cars or whatever it is, you can see evidence that this world is not the way it should be. But a full hope in Jesus is full hope for your neighbors. And so um, as you look to Jesus to be the ultimate answer for the people in the homes around you, uh, you'll find yourself just naturally praying for them and being present with them. Uh, or in creation, right? The bigger, the, as big as it gets, um, animals and natural disasters and um, everything in creation that's not human. Um, to have a true story hope for that, we um, care for the animals, we care for the earth. And maybe that means limiting what we consume or how much we consume. 
um, being conscious about the decisions we make and their impact, but we ultimately are looking to Jesus to renew the earth and heal it, both from the damage that we're doing to it now and the damage that started back at the rebellion. Um, I want to tell another story. This one's kind of sad. Um, starts off with our dog. That's our dog. We laugh at her because she kind of looks dopey. Um, so that's our dog. We love our dog. She's an animal, though. And if you look past her, there's a green fence to the left of the treehouse. That's our chicken run where the chickens live. The dog wants to eat the chickens. No one's surprised by that, right? Dogs are created to, uh, to eat, or they, they're, they're bred to eat smaller animals. Um, but some of the chickens we have back there are like a little more special than others. Like we have favorites. And the favorites are the ones that we raised from when they were little hatchling chicks. And you could hold them in your hand. They're so cute and fluffy. So we have more memories associated with them. Uh, like how they stunk up our living room for several months. So last, uh, see this past week, Beasley dug under all the barricades that I have to keep her out of the chicken run. And she bit one of our favorite hens, Boyd's favorite hen, which was like so sad. And he bit her so bad that she ended up dying. And we were so sad about that. But we had to work through this stuff in that moment. So how did the true story apply to our dead chicken? Well, the first thing is we were sad about it, right? Death is sad, even when it's livestock. Uh, So we mourned. But then we also had to have the conversation about how animals causing harm to other animals has an end date. In the new creation, that's not going to happen. That's a really beautiful thing. I'll read you guys another passage. It's like really, really awesome. This is out of uh, Isaiah 11. This is verses 6 through 9. It says, The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. Neither will harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Ah, that was good news for us this week, right? because we don't want anything to happen to our chickens. Um, And so that's why we take steps each day to care for all of our animals, right? Because that's our role to play. But we look to new creation and the finishing work of Jesus as the end date of death and pain. Um, So I want to bring us to a close tonight. Uh, But as we move into a fresh week, Uh, we will inevitably feel that prayer of Hosanna. We're going to look on things that cause us to say, God, save us, save, save. As we shout and cry it, sometimes it's a shout, sometimes it's a cry, right? Um, We remember the scope of God's renewal, and that's going to be everything. Um, And as we pray Hosanna, we remember the schedule for renewal might be now, might be tomorrow or it might be a very long time from now, but Jesus calls us into active hope, playing a role in his kingdom. Um, And he sent his spirit in this, the church era that we're living in so that we can be faithful waiters 
on him. Um, will you guys just pray with me? Father God, uh, your son is our hope. Your spirit is our strength. Uh, empower us for a hopeful week. Being faithful to our role, each of us going out from here as kingdom people, uh, being used to usher in kingdom renewal. We love you, Father. Amen.